once again to the podcast, and we're glad that you, we're going to work on a name at some point. We're like the, the Washington football team, the podcast, and uh, the, only the only podcast that you need to, to watch, and so... Uh, we're, we're in, go ahead. <laughs> one of the podcasts I listen to is the, the, the subtitle is The Only God Ordained Podcast. The Only God Ordained <laughs> oh, The Bible for Normal People. Well. <laughs> if that tagline's taken on the whole Yeah, I know. <laughs> we are not God ordained. Anyway, yeah. okay, sorry. God corrected. Yes. The inspired. Only, the Only God Godly Podcast. <laughs> well, Josh, we're in Sing. Why don't you give us a series background? Yeah, so we've been singing a lot. Um, <laughs> Um, background, sing. Yeah, so we've been looking at reasons that we have to sing. Uh, we, re- we rejoice, we sing, we praise. Uh, specifically, we've been working through uh, some of the psalm, and we're not obviously touching on every instance in the Bible where, where there is singing happening, because that would probably take quite some time. It would be a long series. Um, and so we're looking at some specifically. Uh, we started with Psalm 139, um, and, and with this idea that we can sing because we're fully known and fully loved by God, right? So God knows us. He, he knows our innermost thoughts. He knows who we are, and he still loves us. And so we sing because of that. Um, after that, we, we looked at Psalm 23, perhaps the most popular psalm. Uh, Lord is my shepherd. You know. uh, and, and so we, we talked about this idea that, that we can sing because we have a good shepherd. And, and Mara simply wowed us with her, with her sheep knowledge. <laughs> Um, she's a sheep expert. And so <laughs> we like, God guides us. He's our good shepherd. And so, and so we, we sing because of that. Um, this past Sunday, we, we jumped to, I believe this is the longest book in scripture, right? Psalm 119, um, hundred and some verses. I don't know. Uh, Psalm 119 with this idea that God gives us good directions. Uh, he's given us his word, given us other tools for his direction and so we sing because we have good direction and so that's where we're at today yes so psalm 119 is always that one that you get to and you're like it's just pages and pages and pages long and i'll never forget a few years ago bob flint came and did a revival and he i mean i think he's stuck in psalm 119 the whole yeah. time and i don't think unfortunately like i don't think i'd ever realized up to that moment that literally this entire song is a song about how like how amazing God's word is, how amazing his law is. And so as you read through different parts of it, I don't know what the record is for like the longest number of verses in a hymn, but this would be all of it. So this one verse that we're talking about, this section um, today is Psalm 119, 101 um, through 105. And David's writing this and he says, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So in there we have some pretty well-known verses. Um, Awesome. That's, um, you know, Josh, beautiful passage. Thanks, Mara and Josh. But, you know, you talked about singing in in the scripture. It just reminded me that, the Bible begins with a song. Genesis yeah, 1 right. is a song. So the first thing God communicates in his word is a song. And then you get in the book of Revelation, it's song after song mm-hmm. from heaven. So so singing is a very important part of the biblical literature and uh, tells us that God is a God that understands our emotion because singing is an emotional thing. Right. And uh, uh, all, all these things are so important to us as we as we think about how to, to consider God. And, and so we're talking about 
I talked about being lost. And you guys ever been lost? Yeah. Uh, so I, I shared briefly the, my story of being lost on Sunday morning with the next gen moment um, with the focus of bad directions. And, and so still that the reason I was lost is because my mom gave me, like, I want that to be very clear, but I was lost. <laughs> she was laughing. <laughs> it was great when we finally arrived. But yes, we were, it was, I just got my license just to rehash a little bit of the story. Um, I just got my license. We were going camping, a family camp out to a place that my family goes to, still goes to twice a year. Um, so I know the place, but actually driving there is a little bit different. And so uh, my mom gave me directions and, uh, and, the directions are supposed to be to go 48 south, and she told me 48 north, and and so, but it was a it was a, a hopeless feeling, uh, a very lost feeling because it was before I had a cell phone. Um, I, I couldn't just call my parents because they didn't have a cell phone, um, and and so it was just driving around hoping. And, and so where I was going was a uh, it's a little private campground um, that we know because we go there all the time, but. I don't think many other people know. So trying to stop and say, hey, how do I get to Odor's Lake? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> and so, yeah, but but fortunately. You it, can't uh, get there from here. Yeah, right, exactly. That's what my dad would always say. For, yeah, I can't get there from here. What does that mean? I can get, anyway, um, but fortunately, I, I I got my license just and shortly after I got a cell phone. And so I felt a little bit more confident. I didn't have to go through my entire <laughs> early driving days without any sort of lifeline, which was good but yeah that i was certainly lost at that point point. and my car was overheating and that was that was yeah i don't think mari says she's never been lost so i'll share no. my story that she can <laughs> she can make something up or think of something no i i was trying to think i was like i'm trying to think ever since i've been driving has basically been in that season of like where you can just print out your directions you can and so i was like i don't know if i've ever really experienced that like where i don't know who to ask i don't know what to do because i even remember as a kid like my parents would get the triptychs from triple a and like i would just pour over those things in the car and i was always the one being like okay we just passed exit 139 check <laughs> like moving down the map but i have gotten other people lost i was just sitting here thinking about um, a trip that we better. took to myrtle beach a few years ago and i'm um, going to visit my sister they had moved to a new place so putting in all the addresses and again if you've never been to myrtle beach you're not familiar with it which i really wasn't it's like every address in myrtle beach has like a matching address in North Myrtle Beach. Oh, yeah. And I can't remember which way we were doing, but whatever it was in the GPS, I had put in the corresponding address to the wrong one. I think it was Myrtle Beach and I think we were trying to go to North Myrtle. And so Ryan has these deep seated trust issues with our GPS to begin with, where he's constantly like, it's saying to go this way, but I feel like we should go this way. And so this whole time I'm just like, just trust it. I put the address in, it's gonna be fine. And like, we're getting further and further away and like, we're supposed to be there. And I'm like, this is not it. So <laughs> that was totally on me and our GPS. Our technology failed us. Well, that's what I was doing. Summer rental. You ever see the John Candy movie where he goes and he puts in, he puts in Ocean Drive instead of Ocean Lane and okay. somebody's house and they come in and he's in there with the kids. And so they chase him out <laughs> yes, and yes. the kid says, Daddy, I, I wet the bed. He goes, you didn't wet the bed. You wet your bed. You wet their bed. <laughs> I can remember the first time I went to New York. I drove, I wanted to see the city, so I drove down to New York City and, and got lost doing that and ended up the roads, you know, as major highway, as major highway, then it wasn't major highway. And believe it or not, there's some areas of New York that are worse than others. Mm -hmm. And we were in an area where actually there were cars on fire. 
And we tried very quickly to find our way back. Yeah. So, yeah, I've, I've been lost. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other thing I thought of is, see, I'm older than you guys. And, you know, so so yes. we had different technology. When I was growing up, the horse knew the way to carry the sleigh through the Thanksgiving. Did you go over the river and through the woods? Over the river, the yeah, horse yeah. knew yeah. the way. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, I was also thinking about how, like, I feel like I trust my GPS implicitly. Like, I'm like, I put it in there, and I will just go. And one time, I mean, she told me that my destination was on the right, and it was like 50 feet down off of a bridge. So like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm learning that there are limits to uh, the amount of trust I should put in. Yes, common GPS. sense is still required. Right, right. <laughs> but I, I think is a GPS or the, the Google Maps where you put like London, England, and it will tell you to swim across. Swim. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so you can do some fun things with it. Yeah. Well, the, the scripture ends with um, tr the truth that, that God lights our path, but, but it begins. So we talked about a lot about directions. But it really begins with choices. Uh, uh, I have restrained my feet. David says, I've restrained my feet. I've not turned aside. Uh, David's decided to seek God's direction. What, what does that mean for us? This, this ideal of, you know, I think this is an important thing, this ideal of choice. How do we choose God's direction? Yeah, I think the opposite of that is just allowing life to happen and waiting for God to do, right? And, and, and that's not the way that, I don't think that's the way that this operates, where we actually have to do things. We do make choices. Um, but I think it's it's ultimately, it's it's one choice at a time, right? It's one decision at a time. And, and I think that, just looking at the notes, I think this is maybe a little bit further down, but I, like, I just can't help but think through this, just this whole idea of um, God directing us, God guiding us on a path. And, and when I'm taking a road trip, um, I will start by kind of looking at my trip, my destination. But the truth is, is like the most important parts of that are those, the, the next step, the next turn. Um, and so I just think that those choices are, are significant because I can have that full path laid out for me. But if I choose to go somewhere different, then it gets me off course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And if I only think about my final turn when I yeah, arrive at my right. destination, I can't arrive at that final turn right. without a series of, yeah. of turns and choices that come up to that. Yeah. And I, I, what I found in my life is most of the time, and, and there's times I find myself way off course. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just a life. And, and most of the time when that's happened, it's not because I've hopped way off course. Right. It's been a series of little right. decisions, little right. choices to do and be or feel and and the next thing i know i'm way off uh -huh. the path uh -huh. um, and, and i think that's the wonder of god um, you know we, we get caught up in this um, perfect will of god and so we have this ideal of what that looks like well the perfect will of god is you to follow his voice wherever you find yourself yeah. so, so you may not be at that point that that you thought you would be uh, but the perfect will of god is in this moment i'm yeah. going to take this step which is the next right step um, yeah that's, that's so which means moving our table here um, which means like when we when we find ourselves so far off track like getting back to God's path isn't doesn't mean like going all the way back right it's like in that moment what is that next right choice that God would have me to make so, which means that like our next or our right choice, our godly choice 
for for different. Uh, this is a total side thought that I <laughs> hadn't had before, um, but like a godly decision, a godly choice looks different for different people who are on different paths. So um, I'm just thinking through this very uh, generically. Maybe um, if someone is a uh, is is let's just say a drug dealer, for instance. I don't know why, but um, a holy moment, a godly decision could could be a decision right now that I'm not going to sell drugs to this person. I'm still a drug dealer. I'm like I'm not going to say he's on this godly path, but like he's making that right choice right there and that is significant whereas someone who's like just been on the straight and narrow their entire lives like well which one is more holy in that moment they're both making the right, right decision right. does that make sense right. I, don't, I don't know why i'm thinking we're, we're finding yourself like in the perfect will of god so let's let's use a scriptural example so that the thief on the cross yeah you know he's a lifetime right. of, of bad choices yeah. but in that moment yeah he finds himself in the perfect will of God. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, which is, you know, it's, it's hard to equate that because, we, you know, we're so result-driven. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the perfect will of God is when you find yourself in that place where you're saying, yes, God. Yeah, well, right. wherever you, However you right, got there. Right. Um, and that looks so different for depending different on where you're at on your path. Right, yeah. which I think can be so discouraging for some people, especially when they're like, okay, well, I, I want to turn things around. And, like, they literally think that almost means I need to turn around and undo and that's fix right, right. everything that's gone wrong. And so I kind of absolve myself of that before, before I'm good enough mm. to, to accept this gift that's that right. God's given me. And the reality is, and like, I hope it's preaching from the mountaintops is that you make that turn. That doesn't get rid of the consequences. That doesn't mean you won't still walk through the pain and all of some of those things, but like, we don't have to go back and undo and fix mm. it. Yeah. We can just say, hey, I took the wrong exit. I'm veering back towards this path. Yeah. I'm making this decision, and then that's going to lead to this decision and this decision. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not a, a transactional thing where I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go back to each of those wrong choices and, and fix those. Because sometimes right. we can't. We can't mm -hmm. go back and, 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 and some of you can. Some of you can. So, so there sure. might be opportunities to, to seek forgiveness, mm -hmm. to apologize. Right. I mean, it's, it's not that you say, oh, well, that's all in the past. Right, right. I'm letting yeah, it go. Sure. I mean, sure. they're... they're Part of God's perfect will is for us to mm -hmm. to Give work us. towards reconciliation and restoration of relationships, and so right. sometimes that that yeah. might happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but right. but you're not going to change where you are in your life right. necessarily. Yeah. And you don't have to wait until all of those are fixed to, to make be on the next right choice to get you back to right. and to be in the perfect will of God. Right. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Um, for you sure. know, it's it, you know, it's the wonder of, and, and I don't know if I had this in the notes or not, but we talked about it. Sunday morning, uh, Romans eight twenty eight. The wonder of Romans twenty eight is he takes everything. Right. I mean, it's the beauty of our God that that he can take mm -hmm. everything, my good choices, my bad choices, and if if I say yes to him, if I'm called according to his purpose, God can take all those choices and somehow work them for my good and his glory, and that that's an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing promise. Mm -hmm. So how do we focus on this with students? I, th I thought this was, you know, this, this ideal of choice. Uh, you know, and, and I can look back at my life and think of choices that I've made because it does matter. It still matters. Sure. I mean, it's not like we want to, to give this ideal. Let's just make the choices you want. And then at the end, you can be like the thief in the cross and you can make that right choice and you're in the perfect will of God. Our choices matter. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. what David is saying here, it matters that he restrained his feet. 
How, what, how do we emphasize choices with our students? I think we, we have to we have to start with the the final goal, mm -hmm. right? Like our final goal is um, walking with Christ, you know, Christ likeness, um, being in this relationship with Christ. Like we have to start with the final goal. Otherwise, those instantaneous decisions are pointless, right? Well, like if I don't, if, if I'm not going somewhere, then it doesn't really matter what. So decision. setting your direction. So I think you have like in making those um, day to day decisions, you can only do that if you if you first set your direction, because um, that gives you the why that I'm going to make this right decision. Um, and so I think there's that that like. In light of knowing what this goal is, I'm I'm going to make the next right choice that gets me there. So it's it's this it's this kind of both and like I have that goal there. I know what I'm working for. So because of that goal, this is the next right choice. I think it's Simon Sinek. Start with why. Right. Yeah. yeah. Don't read your book. Just watch the uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the TED, uh, talk. TED talk. Yeah. It's only eighteen minutes of your yeah. time. It'll give you the gist of the book. Yeah. Start with why. Right. Yeah. For sure. So so I think that's how we. Uh, I think that's a significant thing. We, I mean, we have to emphasize the next right choice, um, but the direction of that next right choice isn't set until we've set the, the final goal, the final destination. Let's talk about how the fact that that next right choice doesn't always feel yeah. right. Yeah. And like, the, I think it's easy to make decisions based on what feels good mm -hmm. or what, what seems wise to us without anchoring that into something else. Sure. Cause I, I was just, just talking with a friend recently and I was like, why is this so hard? And then I was like, okay, wait, wrong question. Why do I expect this to be easy? Like, I think we, I think there's a mm -hmm. sense where we are doing people a disservice when we don't act like making that next right yeah, choice yeah, is sure. often the hardest for sure. thing. So all of the options, if all of them look easy, <laughs> you you want that one that you're hoping isn't the right one. It, that's probably that's probably the direction you actually need mm -hmm. to go. Hmm. Yeah. That's good. I mean, that, so even in the midst of, I mean, just to talk about the crisis we're in, the, the decisions you have to make during COVID nineteen, it's it's not like there's easy decisions mm -hmm. and uh, and matter of fact we may have to make hard decisions yeah. and it's no fun yeah. uh, but but sometimes we, we have to what's the most important decisions your students are making is it different for kids and teens I'm assuming it is yes it is t um, tell us Josh yeah. most important decisions your teens are making okay do you want to know the ones that I like that I think that they're making or the ones that I would <laughs> the most important decision that I would like them to. Well, either way, you want to go with it. Because I think, like, I think that as a as a teenager, like, decisions are being made for for future life goals and and you know career paths and, and college and, and things like that. Um, and I think that that I think that that is the decision. Like, especially Kyle, what am I going to do right after high school? Um, that is the decision that drives everything. Um, some take it more seriously than, than others, uh, obviously. I, I don't know, and maybe this is wrong, but like as their youth pastor, my desire is that, is that they are, that the most important decision that they're making is how do I live a life that follows Christ? Like, and, 
And I don't want to say that I don't care about what you're doing, <laughs> because I do. I, I truly do. But realistically, but like, how many people change careers? Yeah, mid, for sure. Like, so that, that making sure. that first decision for, sure. for what you're going to do for your job, Yeah. you could 10 years down the road decide that's not what you want to do anymore. Yeah. And so I, I guess just to be completely honest, like that's a struggle for me and because I know that we live in a goal-oriented, driven, like you got to get somewhere. And man, I just want so desperately to push back against that because again, not that those things aren't important, but like they're not the most important. And so truthfully, I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know how to guide and direct in a way that is like, yes, that's important, but it's not the most important. I think you know, with teens, the, their friends, mm -hmm. they decide to make friends with. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I can, and I remember there was a book out several years from Publishing House, and I wish I would remember the ten most important decisions of your life. Yeah, and you know, one was friends. Yeah, uh, one was is you know your self worth. What? Yeah, how will right, you define right. your self worth? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think all those kind of flow into that yeah. ultimate decision right. of what I'm going to do after. Yeah, um, yeah. So that 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 self worth. I, so through my rambling, what I would if I could pinpoint it to one thing the most important decision would be deciding what identity you're going to take on that you're going to decide that my identity is in christ i think and then from there all of that other stuff falls into place maybe not easily but it falls into place understanding that like wherever this takes me it doesn't change the fact that Who my I identity am. is in christ right. and so i think that that is the key decision or choice to make and, and there's choices you make kids will make and Mara, I don't mean to keep I'm sure you've got some great thoughts but your friends mm -hmm. uh, if, if if and when you decide to work or play sports or do those things and, and the value you put on those things yeah uh, those are the things that are shaping your identity right, um, right. you know the, the voices you're going to listen to mm -hmm. <laughs> um, all, all yeah. those things will shape your identity for sure yeah, yeah, when I think about the kids, like, I kind of think a lot of them are more of that concrete um, level of, like, development where, like, we talk a lot about <clears throat> what it looks like in your life to live out a life that shows that you love God. And the best way for our kids to show that is how they love other people. Right. And so I feel like sure. I, I talk with the kids all the time about this idea that we'd say well, every Sunday we go through, like, I can trust God no matter what. I need to make wise choices and I should treat others the way that I like to be treated. And we always come to that one about making wise choices. I would make a point to their brains because <laughs> making a wise choice means that in every situation we recognize there's this and that. There's a, there's a good thing to do and then there's the wrong thing to do. And noticing that every time I talk to someone, there is a way that I can talk to that person that is kind and loving. That's right. That's right. And there's a way that I can be disrespectful and rude and, and mean mm -hmm. to them. And so helping our kids to see that every day they are making decisions and everything that they do affects the people around them. So I'm trying to help our kids and, and my kids at home too realize like we don't exist in this vacuum. We have to have these priorities in place where there are certain things that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna compromise on my belief that I should love other people just because I want to be part of this group. Yeah. I'm not going to elevate this 
electronics over mm -hmm. the feelings of the people around right. me. Yeah. And That's so I good. feel like with kids, it's really just identifying that it you is. have choices because yeah. they're moving into that phase of life where, I mean, babies and toddlers, parents are making all the choices for them. They're deciding what they eat. They're deciding what they wear. They're deciding what they watch. And as they're moving into elementary school, they are starting to own some of those decisions yeah. and helping them to, to make yeah. the ones that lead to more good decisions. Yeah. It becomes a habit. We've done like the whole dominoes thing mm -hmm. that every good decision you make makes the next one that much easier. Yeah. We've I, just in our family, we've identified kind of we, as our family, I don't know, motto or whatever. We're kind, we're encouraging, and we choose love, whether it's easy or hard. And, and so that's kind of that, that idea is just like, man, in this moment, you have a choice to be kind, encouraging, and choosing love, or you have the choice to not. And so that's what we try to base our decisions on. Fourth one is smoked meats better than smoked meats are always better. Always better. Absolutely, I got a ham going on as soon as I get home. By the way, well, it, it, yeah, as, as we're talking about this, and, and I think this is important to, to have this conversation. That's why we, we do staff, and we, we want our parents and, and those that are dealing with younger individuals to see some of these things because it's important. The, the scripture says, uh, "Train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they're old, older, they will not depart far from it." And the, the scripture's not like, okay, if I, tr if I raise my kid right, yeah. they're never going to make mistakes. Right. Uh, the, these are barriers. These are guardrails. You're, right. you're establishing guardrails in life. And, and one of the things you do, and Terry and I sometimes did better at this, and sometimes we did worse at this. So, you know, our, our kids are all out of the house now, so it's easy for me to say these things. <laughs> uh, but, but you've got to allow your kids to make some choices mm -hmm. uh, because the goal is not to make all the choices for them. But the goal is to establish parameters right. so that they know how to make decisions. Right. And so hopefully, you know, not, not my boys don't make perfect decisions now, but hopefully we've established some things in their life that will at least allow them to see, okay, well, here is the mm -hmm. criteria for yeah, decisions. For sure. And so um, don't try to make every decision your child yeah. has to make. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't do it. It's a mistake. Yeah, uh, because right. Even when they, you know that it's the wrong decision. Yeah, yeah. let your kids make yeah. Not deadly decisions. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. But, be a guardrail. <laughs> right? Yeah, be a guardrail. But every once in a while, let your kid yeah. make a poor decision and yeah, allow them to right. learn the lessons right. of a poor decision. Let yeah. let them not study yeah. and get that right. bad test for result. Sure. For sure. Uh, because otherwise, uh, they'll never learn right. the value of, of study. Um, I think it's important. Sure. That, I mean, I, I've said this before. Like the voices and the words that we speak to our kids become their inner monologue, become the way that they talk about themselves. And so I think it's important that our voice is not always a voice of correction. Our voice is not always a voice of, you did that wrong, here's how you should have done it, but more a voice of direction mm -hmm. where, okay, here's where we're at. Let's talk about how we how we work this back. Let's talk about how we we fix or, or make amends in that relationship that you, you just harmed. You treated yeah. your sister badly. You've harmed your relationship with her. Let's talk about how we yeah. we work toward, through that and bring healing in that. Because I think we also have to involve our kids in the decision-making of, okay, I've messed up. I can't just tell you how to fix it. What what feels like the right thing to do mm -hmm. for you here? And let's talk about how that leads you back onto where, where you want to be. Because you're happiest. I mean, I truly believe our kids are happiest when they're living a life where they understand why they're doing what they're doing, but also living at peace among the people that they live with. Mm -hmm. And so when there's strife and striving, like we want to help them 
to find a way to heal that. Which means that our like our reaction in our parenting after a bad decision is so significant, right? Um, the way that we parent after a failure, after one of those bozo decisions, um, can set. I'm just thinking of how we when we started this by talking about like we we do veer off from that path, um, and we it's how important it is to remember that okay then the next right thing is just the next right thing and so we the way that we the way that we parent or lead in those failures in those poor decisions um i think is it reflects the way that this whole thing like this whole following god's directions work um if we you know if we come and you're like you're a total failure because <laughs> you made this bad decision um that's that's probably harmful as opposed to, okay, we made a bad decision. We veered off. We now have other decisions. And so how do I guide you to, like you were saying, mm -hmm. how do I guide you to make the next right choice? That's good. Which is just Gen Z. Um, one of the, the significant things of Gen Z, which is the generation that are teenagers now. Um, I don't remember the years, but like... Um, one of the significant markers is the inability to fail uh, and inability to fail well um, because those guardrails haven't been set in ways that allow them to, to fail. Um, and so there's this pressure. If, if I can't do some, if, if there's a chance that I'm going to fail, then I'm just not going to do it. Um, and that's not healthy because that's not, it's not real life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so at some point they're going to fail. So how do we, how do we parent, how do we disciple in a way that allows them to deal with that in, in a healthy way? On the opposite, just an observation, that's why schools have 40 valedictorians. Sure. And, you know, every, everybody has, <laughs> yeah. you know, 4.8 yeah. GPAs. It's guys, and, and, you know, I'm glad kids get all good grades, but there's definitely a, there's definitely a measure of, everybody has to succeed um, and you know there's never any grading on curves or anything like that anymore which yeah. which was kind of the standard when when, sure. when I grew up to, yeah. to get a back in the day <laughs> to get a B was not the school world and uh, but 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 you're you're continuing kind of that okay well if you did get a B somehow you're lesser yeah uh, right, and, right right and uh uh, but that B may may mean a lot more. Uh -huh. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what the answer is here. I don't know either. But I d d definitely feel well, that culture of, of participation trophy that, yeah. that that there's no winners, there's no losers. I understand that. You know, I want my kids to get trophies every time they play as well. Uh, but even the kids, I mean, I can remember in um, Upward, they may not put scores on the scoreboard, but the kids know the scores. Yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. And I, I, honestly, I think, you know, we say, I don't know what the answer is. I think ultimately we do know that the answer is what we find our identity in. <laughs> Again, right. it, it all comes back to that. Um, I, practically speaking, I don't know what that looks like. But, you know, we, yeah, if your identity is tied up in winning and getting that big trophy, then that's unhealthy. Um, if your identity is, because then it leads to, okay, well, everybody has to get a trophy. Um, yeah, I think it all comes down to identity. Again, yeah. practically, and, and I don't know what that looks like. Failing makes you a failure. Like, and yeah, yeah, the, like, sure. like buying right. that. But again, with that fear of failure also comes that um, lack of accountability. So if I do by some 
miracle fail. It was somebody else's fault. Like, I feel like I yeah. see this play out even right. with my own kids where it's That's like, right. okay, well, something goes wrong, but they are just, I mean, they are masterminds at telling you all the ways that it was somebody else mm -hmm. who their ultimate actions are what led to the problem. Like just a couple of days ago, a cup of hot chocolate got spilled in our living room, which a rule in our house is like the hot chocolate doesn't go in the living room. But it was like, as soon as it happened, it was like, oh, well, they, and it was like, well, wait, wait, the hot chocolate wouldn't have been there for them to spill yeah. had a rule not already been broken. It was just like that, right. watching the, the clock or the gears turn to this like, oh, hang on, me breaking the rules created the situation where this thing happened. And I'm really mostly mad because it's now been exposed that I broke the rules. Right. Like my disobedience was exposed yeah. by this spilling. Yeah. And that is really, I'm like, that. that's where the anger is coming from. It's yeah. really not at her. It's because now you've been exposed. Yeah. And so how do we allow ourselves to <laughs> be exposed and not feel like it's somebody else's fault? Yeah, and that's good. Failing doesn't make you a failure. It's where your identity is. Chelsea and I had, there was a, pretty early on in our, our parenting, we would just like, I don't remember if it was Jensen, what, but you know, when they're little and we would just say mostly playful, like bad boy, like that, you know, oh. and, and, it, and it, was, it was like this realization, like that is not okay. Like, no, you're not a bad boy. You, you're making a bad decision right now, but like, you're not a bad boy. And, and it, again, it was never, like, you're such a bad boy. It was, it was that very playful, like bad boy, bad boy, you yeah. know, uh, and, and just that idea of little things like that though. Like they put, oh, I, I failed. I made a bad choice, and so I am a bad boy. No, it's because you were puppy parents yeah. first. <laughs> That's exactly right, <laughs> Tucker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go potty. No. <laughs> That's a good conversation. It is. Yeah, okay. sit and just sit and listen, and and uh, you know, we and, and to equate to us, we we all make decisions. Not just kids, but adults make decisions. I, I think a lot of our decisions. It seems like a lot of my decisions are too snap in nature mm -hmm. that uh, I, I think as you're looking at what David's saying here, I think there's a, um, a, a, a little bit of a um, deliberation that, that perhaps I need to be better and mean deliberate in my decisions. And I think I need to, to give my kids a, a little bit um, of mm -hmm. um, instruction on being more mm -hmm. deliberate in decisions. Um, I'm just, so I'm, I'm just thinking through this because there are times in our lives where we don't have the luxury of being deliberate in decisions. And so then I'm just thinking through the importance of, of deliberating and taking that time in other decisions, almost using that as a, like a training ground for those times where we have to make split decisions. Like I'm confident in my split decisions because in other decisions in my life, I have done what it takes to, you know, to, to seek God's counsel and, does that make sense what I'm saying? Because no, totally. there are times where we do have to make split decisions. And, and sometimes it's where we put ourselves. Uh, let's, put a, let's just put a diet mm, sure. um, uh, example. Yeah. So if all I buy is Ho-Hos and Oreos and put them in the pantry, Thank you. when it comes time to grab Stop a snack, <laughs> uh, you know what I'm going to grab? We're yeah, for sure. Ho-Ho and Oreo. And so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes the decisions that we make prior mm -hmm. lead us to the point That's where right. we can't right. be as deliberate right. and so you know we need to build habits into our life that mm -hmm. allows us space to make the right decisions as well there are times yeah. i mean you, sure. you have to make quick decisions uh, but but i i venture to guess that probably most of the time in my life god gives me space sure. 
for sure. to at least hear from him before I have to make a decision. If yeah. I put myself in, if I make choices yeah. that right. say that is important to me. Yeah, um, right, for sure. It's kind of like if you ever watch your kids like scramble to cover up a lie with another lie with another lie. I feel like sometimes you can get in that way with, even with decisions. Like, okay, well, I made that one too quickly, so now I'm left with two really bad options, so I'm going to make another one really quickly. And now I'm left with two even worse options, so I'm just going to, like, I feel like you almost can just keep just trapping stop. yourself yeah. in, in trying to make quick decisions when I think there's a, there's a sense of humility mm -hmm. that when you go, okay, wait, these are all bad decisions. Yeah, right. I don't, I I don't want to make any of these decisions. So I'm just going to have to stop and I'm going to have to deal with the consequences that come with the fact that I, I'm not, I, I'm not going to continue down this path. <laughs> Which the diet example <laughs> fits so well in, right? Like, well, I ate a ho-ho <laughs> after lunch. Dinner. I might as well eat one after dinner too. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, bedtime snack. I already had two. Might as well have a third. It doesn't yeah. matter because I'll start the diet Monday. That's right. Sure, sure. Monday That's never right. comes. I'm waiting until after COVID to start mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, some churches use the phrase, the next right step. And uh, it seems like this passage, when we talk about light, and you know, that there's this whole ideal of the the lingo we use, the journey lingo, which we overuse now. That's the that's the buzzwords now. You're in journey. Uh, you know, we call the church the journey, and you're on journeys. And um, David's talking about trusting God each step on the journey. And so that this ideal that it's not that he's arrived; he's in process. Mm -hmm. Uh, why is is that important to understand? Because I, 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 to me, it seems significant. I'm not sure why it seems significant to understand that I'm in process as opposed to I'm arrived. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it seems right to you because I think it is right. <laughs> um, it's the truth. Is, like you just, I mean, just logically thinking about anything, like. You're never, like, if you're taking a road trip, you're not there until you're there. Like, you have to take the journey to, to get there. And so I think that this is so key for us as church leaders, as a, us as parents, and just uh, and us just as followers of Christ. Like, this understanding of discipleship um, and, and this journey and following this, this journey the idea that we arrive somewhere, I think, is is detrimental to our to our faith, spiritually um, speaking. Spiritually speaking, mm -hmm. um, this idea that we have arrived somewhere uh, is just it's not healthy um, because then we and it's the the example you know when you asked Jim Carsey uh, a few weeks ago like he learned something every day like this idea that we've arrived somewhere is is just not <laughs> like it's not. It's not realistic, um, and, and as I look at Scripture and I, I think through all of these journey, like it, it's, it's not what we do. And but at the same time, we we do put emphasis on moments in time, um, but it's not an ending moment. Right. I like to think even as we go to heaven, um, that we're still going to be learning. I don't know. Maybe that's theologically wrong, but yeah. Three, three things last forever: faith, hope, and love. Hmm. So if, if either Paul's wrong mm -hmm. sure. or there is an element of faith and hope yeah. Yeah. in heaven. Yeah, you don't have to have faith when you have all the answers, right? right. Like when you've arrived at that point in heaven. And so I, I, I know faith. there's people that push back against that, yeah. but either Paul's just wrong yeah. Yeah. Or, 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 or there's a, an element of faith in heaven. I think there's an element of faith in heaven. Absolutely, and, I agree. Yeah, it just seems right. Well, I think when you think about 
each of us that we have, we are constantly moving towards this. There's an element of compassion and community that comes along with that and that we are we are feeling and, and, and living alongside other people. When we go back to Romans 8, 28, okay, well, if I think in my life, God's worked everything for my good. Like, I'm good where I'm at. This is great. Mm. I, I feel like that removes me from, from really journeying along others, other people who've not seen this good right. that, that they are expecting come to pass. And like, I'm doing a study with a friend right now and talking about that verse. And it's like, the thing about good is like, we don't get to define it and we don't get to put it on a time frame. So we, we journey through our lives and watch the way that God uses everything in this larger overarching story that we kind of get to see it chapter by chapter. But when we just sit there and say, well, I've arrived, everything in my life is good. I'm just gonna sit here until I die. Like I'm taking away God's ability to use me in the yeah. lives of other people. I'm, sure. I can't just, I literally, if I just sat here and did nothing till I die, I mean, it would take, it would take a few days if I stopped eating, drinking, but as I'm eating and drinking, as I'm going to the grocery store, I'm encountering people mm -hmm. and I'm continuing to live and walk alongside people. That's good. The humility that it takes though, to, um, to say, uh, to say that I'm still on a journey, mm -hmm. right? Because it takes humility to say that like, I've still got some growing and some learning to do. Um, mm -hmm. the, the idea of, I've arrived somewhere, I've reached holiness, I've been entirely sanctified, and so therefore I'm done. Like, that is not, that's not a posture of humility um, to say, and, and to even think that like, God can't do something else in my life, God can't transform another area of my life is just, like, lacks a lot of humility. And it's a, it's a false narrative. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And so what happens is people think, okay, when I graduate, and so they live for these moments yep. and, and you don't live in the moment, but right. you live for the moments. And then when you get to the moment, it's, it's not, it's not, it doesn't complete you. Yep. And so we, we may we circle back where we started. We, we, we began with this ideal of setting identity. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the identity that David would have for himself is I'm a seeker of God. Right. <laughs> and so in his life, he was a shepherd. He is a, that was seeking God yep. in his life. He was a king that was seeking God yeah. in his life he was a God seeker that fell yeah. and so in my life there's been all those things that, that as I've went through my life if the primary identity is somebody that I am seeking hard after God right. you know love being a father love being a husband love being a pastor love being a lawyer love being all these things yeah. but that those things do not complete me Right. because I'm still a seeker of God. Yeah. And since there's more to seek and more to do, even even when you pass a bar or you're ordained or you have your kids or you get married, even as you pass those markers, you realize there's still more choices to make. For sure. And so on this path, I'm going to live in this moment, yep. thank God for this moment, but realize that I'm a God seeker yep, and, right. and I'm going to continue to seek him till the day I die. And then what happens after that? I'll let God, right. when I have more understanding of what that looks like, sure. I'll do exactly what it takes to seek God even there. For sure. And so, um, I don't know. What's the next right step? Yep. The next right step is to seek God yeah. <laughs> and follow Him. Follow yeah. hard after God. Yeah. And just using the, the simple, I know, I know Dave Eichhorn, like the, just, I just know for his girls just growing up, that he, he always, okay, how do, I, how do I seek God? How do I know God? How do I follow God? Love God, love others. Right, like that. That's the simple of like, what does it look like to seek God? Love God, love others. It's good. Yeah. Well, any other thoughts?
been a fun conversation talking about yeah. getting lost. For sure, and, for sure. Uh, seeking God. Yeah. Uh, Mara, why don't you go ahead and pray us out? All right. Lord, thank you so much for um, for this conversation today. God, we are um, we're just so thankful for the opportunities and the way that we grow in our faith when we discuss your word with other people. Lord, um, we're so thankful for the gift of, of your word and of our community. But I pray as we are each on this this journey, Lord, on this this path as we seek you, that you will help us to make the right choices. Lord, you will help us to define our options. Lord, that you will show us the one that glorifies you. Lord, I pray that you would increase our humility and our willingness to recognize when we've gotten it wrong in the past and maybe we are still getting it wrong, Lord, and that you would draw us towards you and towards that ultimate goal of bringing glory to you, loving you, and loving those around us. Um, we love you and we trust you in the ways that you're working today, tomorrow, and um, into the future. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless. Thank you.